Hey, my name is Ken. I want to welcome you to this episode of More with Murphy. We're in season two, episode three. You are in for a treat. I am about to have a conversation with an old friend of mine that I have not talked to in person or on the phone in over 30 plus years. It's an old friend from college. It's a crazy story, which I'll share with you how I even started to get reacquainted with Quentin, Quentin Gibson, and he makes music, but more than making music, he truly does make a difference. He has an incredible journey to share with us. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Morith Murphy. What's up, homie? Dude, it has been so long. It's so good to hear from you. It's been 30 years, hasn't it? You know what? I was actually <laughs> doing the math and I was like, it is 30 plus for sure. <laughs> Unreal. Dude, I'm so glad you took the time for us to connect like this. Oh man, it's my pleasure. Glad to glad to be able to do it. What's going on with you? Dude, we're doing good. Yeah. The uh again, catch up over 30 plus years, but we've uh we passed Serena and I. I met my wife when I, I left Indiana Wesley and went to Ola Roberts uh, to play baseball out there. And we met, <clears throat> uh, dated, got married, uh, went to grad school, pastored in Wisconsin for a few years. And we have been in Columbus, Ohio for, goodness, 21 years now. Oh, wow. Three kit, three boys, and the oldest two are married. And that's uh, that's been some of the highlights of our family. Serena's not the only... <laughs> girl in the family any longer and uh, our youngest is a senior in high school and yeah life is good man good deal dude i've got to tell you this story we were this is a couple yeah. of years ago because again it has been like 31 32 33 years since we visited uh in fact on the yeah. podcast here they're like so when's the last time you talked to this guy i was like <laughs> well, actually talked 30 plus years but started texting recently it was a couple of years ago our family were wa sitting around watching the CMAs and yeah. they know that I'm crazy to say stuff, you know, on occasion. And we're sitting there and Darius Rucker band was on and they're panning the shot. You guys are playing. And I said, hold up. I go, I know that guy. And they're like, <laughs> no way. I'm like, no, seriously. I go, we went to school together. I go, that man lived right across the hall from me, um, at least for a semester. And they're like, well, what's his name? I go, that's Quentin Gibson. I go, I've not heard of him in years. And we looked you up and I was like, I was so happy for you. I was like, I remember Quentin <laughs> as the dude who was like on the edge of the bed playing guitar all the time. And then I saw you on TV and and then we were in Nashville, I think it was a couple of years later, hit you up on uh, on social media and, and uh, kind of started it from there, so... Dude, tell me tell me about yourself. What have yeah, you been up to? That, so was that was that last year's CMAs? It it may have been, I honestly don't remember. It could have been. Yeah, I I think it was. We haven't played in a while, so it probably was last okay. year. And I'm surprised I'm surprised you uh you recognize me. Yeah. <laughs> to be, the ha know. the hair's a little uh, different. Your hair's a little and I don't even have hair anymore, so so we 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 do change <laughs> over those 30 years. Yes, we do. Uh, yeah, the hair's uh, a lot shorter, and it's even shorter now. Um, and you know, a few more, <laughs> a few more wrinkles. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, that that was uh, that CMA performance was one of the weirdest because Darius was actually hosting the award show, and you know, we had to be sequestered and couldn't talk to anybody. You know, because of COVID, uh, even. 
yeah, we had to wear a mask and then we had to wear a face shield the wow. whole time until we, until we walked on stage. Just kind of bizarre. Yeah. Right? Been fascinating times for everybody, that's for sure. Yeah, and you know, our world as far as uh touring is for the most part kind of back to normal. Really depends on each state and you know whatever protocol the venue has. But we're starting to see you know, shows are pretty much getting back to normal. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, as a band and various and the whole camp, you know, had to get the vaccine in order to work. Right. So, uh, that was, that was really a non-option. It was not told to us that it was a non-option, but yeah. it was, uh, highly suggested. <laughs> so, this, this would be highly advantageous to your, uh, Future, to your future, bank account? future, yeah, to your future employment <laughs> opportunities. Yeah. Well, dude, give me the yeah. short version of living across the hall to where you are today. from From a musical perspective, how did you how did you get there? Man, oh man, gosh! You know, I still remember those college days so vividly. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Williams Hall, you man, know, it doesn't even exist anymore. I think they tore it down. They did. And uh, Williams Hall, and you know, I loved uh, living in that dorm. Uh, there was something just so special about it. Yeah. Uh, and you know, college was never really on my radar uh, when I was in high school, so I kind of barely made it through school. Really, the reason that that I went to college initially was to get, to keep the band together. Yeah. So you know. <laughs> And we had, uh, I don't know if you ever knew uh, our bass player, Mike Belt, but he he was the one that told us about Indiana Wesleyan and then me and Kyle, you remember Kyle. Yep. Right? And and so we were like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to college now. <laughs> uh, just keep the band together. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to do or how I'm going to get in. Um, I was not a, a great student in high school because I didn't care. And uh, I had plans on moving to LA when I turned 18 anyway, which, you know, uh, I think God had a direct hand in me not going out there because it um, might not have been so good for, for my health. Yeah. Um, so um, anyway, so I went to college and um, I, I excelled in school somehow. You know, I, I, I worked hard. I, I, I loved the, the music program and, you know, we, we had our, our band thing going yep. and, once we graduated, we uh, we all moved to Nashville, and we were not together very long once we moved to Nashville. And so I, I kind of had to change my my musical plans, and I decided to just try my own uh, personal music adventures, and you know, have a band and do all that. And you know, Nashville was kind of a, a shock at first because I, you know, living up in small town, Indiana, I was an overly confident kid in my playing. And then when I moved to Nashville and everybody's really good mm -hmm. and uh, it was pretty intimidating. And so I kind of had to adjust to, you know, the Nashville way of uh, approaching music. And I, I uh, you know, I wanted to be more of a hired, hired gun, you know, where, you know, I could get work uh, as an uh, individual 
going into certain musical situations, either in the studio or with bands or whatever. And, you know, over a period of years, it, you know, I kind of started doing my networking, you know, which is what everybody that I talked to told me that the most important thing was to network. It's like, yes, you got it. You have to be able to play, but knowing the right people is really kind of the key. Yeah. And it, it still is that way. You know, back then in the early to mid nineties, you know, there was no social media. So I didn't really know how to connect. Isn't that crazy people. just to think about what it was like then compared to today? Yeah, it, it is really crazy. And you know, the, the scene in Nashville now is everybody has these tools, the, the networking tools, you know, you can have a studio, like you can have a studio in your bedroom, which I just set up my studio here in the hotel room. Cause I'm working on some music today and you can have a really great studio setup just in your bedroom. Back then, 30 years ago, that was like, you wasn't even on the radar. Yeah. You know, you didn't think, man, how could, I just had a little four track cassette recorder at the time that sounded terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah. So things were so different back then. And, and, you know, I didn't really know how to network, you know, I, I wasn't that outgoing of a, a person, you know, pretty quiet. And so, you know, I, I started going out and, you know, trying to hang out in the right places where I might see somebody that could possibly help me, um, and get to know them a little bit, but still it was, it was kind of, a hard to get in the door mm. and, uh, you know, over a period of years of spending a lot of time just getting out and meeting people, you know, I did end up meeting some very important people that helped me eventually into getting into the country world. And, you know, one of those was a, a friend of mine. Uh, I had met her and we became pretty good friends and she was a publicist. And she, at the time she was a publicist for a young Keith Urban, you know, who was, you know, still kind of new to the scene in Nashville. And hmm. so she, she ended up playing a vital role because she eventually became publicist for Darius. Okay. You know, she's the one that told me about the audition. And, and I remember when she called me the day that Darius came into Capitol Records and said, you'll never guess who's going to who's trying to go into the country world. And I was like, who? And she's like, Hootie. I was like, Darius? She's like, yeah. It's like, there's no way this is ever going to work. <laughs> and then, you know, 13 years later, he's had 11 number ones. So uh, it, it worked out pretty well for him. Isn't it funny how, how many, and I hear that story, the story you just shared, mm -hmm. I hear that in athletics, I hear it in business, is people working hard, but then they meet the right person or they meet the right opportunity at the right time. And that's the breakthrough. That's what catapulted them to a whole nother platform or another level of um, opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, obviously you know, we are both believers and, and I also give all the credit to, you know, God for steering me yeah. and helping me. And, and I believe from the, you know, from the very beginning that this was all laid out a certain way and this and this, and this was going to happen. And this was the timing. Mm -hmm. And that's the one thing that I've had is my faith 
throughout this entire journey of life mm-hmm. and in music, I never, you know, there, there were times that, you know, I felt like my faith was challenged and I wasn't, you know, a good Christian per se, you know, I kind mm-hmm. of fell off a little bit, but I never didn't believe that God was in control. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's a certain, uh, there's a certain peace that comes along with that. And, you know, even though things may be difficult, not ideal, mm-hmm. and I've been through some not ideal situations, I always, I never really lost my faith, you know? Uh, and that's something that you, you, you like was, credit that I, to your upbringing or how, how, how do you credit that? Well, you know, I, I've actually, I've thought about that quite a bit and, you know, I, I did go to church growing up and it was fairly consistent, but it wasn't really something. I mean, I didn't really grow in my faith until I, I went to Indiana Wesleyan. Mm. You know, I just, I, I knew that I believed and, you know, you know, I had accepted Christ in youth group and, you know, and I, I was, I was okay in my faith, but mm-hmm. I didn't really grow that much until I went to Indiana Wesley and I started just being saturated and starting to create, starting to understand more about, you know, the Bible and, um, my worldview and, you know, everything that Dr. Martin would talk about, you know, I, and I, I have to say, Dr. Martin played a huge role in my early uh, college years. And I was scared to death of him yeah. <laughs> because when I, when I, my first class with him, I'll never forget. I, I, I was pretty shattered <laughs> because he was talking in a language I didn't even understand. Yeah. You know, it's just too many big words. And I was like, I was just this little small town, Indiana kid who, you know, wasn't really that smart. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm, how am I ever? What have I gotten myself into? Yeah. And I remember, and I've told my kids this, um, I wrote down every word that he said that I didn't understand. And then I went back and I looked it up in the dictionary so that I could start to understand what he was talking about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, back when you used to use pen and paper to take notes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, I, I really believe that, you know, Indiana Wesley played a huge role in me just developing the the strength in my faith. And it just never, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I just, I could never not have faith. Yeah. You know, even, even if I tried, uh, it's like, I know God exists. God is in control and that's just what it is. Yeah. You know, uh, t- tell me about the uh, audition for uh, okay. for Darius. Were you nervous? Okay. Uh, well, it was kind of interesting because there's been some other gigs in Nashville. And, and, you know, I didn't even touch on this. And I'll, I'll just briefly speak yeah. about this. But, you know, I, I was um, very active in the contemporary Christian music industry. So, um, you know, once I moved from uh, Marion down to Nashville, when I played in the Christian rock band and we had a record deal. And once that whole thing went away, you know, I had already met a few people in the Christian industry that I was able to stay in touch with and, you know, get some other work with uh, other artists. And, you know, it, 
by word of mouth, I would go from, you know, one gig that was good. And then, you know, somebody would call and say, hey, can you fill in and do some guitar for this band? And can you do a little bit of this? Can you help this artist out? And so I, I was fairly well established and was super busy. And there were times when I was playing with three, di three different artists and I could barely keep my schedule together, you know, trying to balance all that out. Wow. Um, so I was very active, you know, and I, I was able to, to meet a lot of great musicians. And a lot of us have migrated from the Christian industry over into the country world. You know, so a bunch of guys that I played in bands with that, you know, I played in Sonic Flood for a while and uh, played with a band called Plum. Michael Tate, you know, from DC Talk, I played in his band for a while. And uh, I had a brief stint with White Cross and uh, Petra. Everybody remembers Petra. Yep. And then the last artist I was playing with was uh, David Phelps, which is the best singer in the world. And uh, I don't know if you know who David is, but he's phenomenal. So I had met so many guys and we've all kind of gone over to, into the country world, you know, and they're playing... Uh, Thomas Rhett and Little Big Town and uh, gosh Keith Urban, so so it's kind of it's kind of cool to have come up through the ranks with these yeah. guys and then still be able to hang out and you know talk about the the glory days of the <laughs> Christian world and you know in the country world and, and you know the the two worlds are very similar both very family oriented yeah um, that's true. And, and that's what I love about uh, the Darius thing, because, you know, we go out and sometimes we have a few long stretches, but it's it's not too bad. Typically home throughout the week and gone, you know, glorified weekend warriors. Anyway, so I was super busy working in the Christian world. And then this friend that I had mentioned earlier, uh, she was Darius's publicist. And um, she called me and she said, hey, uh, Darius is in need of a guitar player. Do you have any interest? And I'm like, oh, heck yeah. So I never played country in my life, but I'll give it a shot. So she connected me with management. And so I called Darius's manager, who his, his name is Doc McGee. And he used to, uh, he was very active in the rock world, uh, managing uh, Bon Jovi and uh, Motley Crue and, and Kiss was his big band. And then uh, he had managed Hootie and the Blowfish. And then they um, were managing Darius as a solo artist. So when I when I called them, I had a reference from my friend. And so that's how I actually got on the phone with someone. Yeah. And so, you know, they said they appreciated my phone call, but they already had 26 guys that were auditioning. Wow. Basically, I was like, all right, well. Here's my phone number. You know, if you don't find anybody, I'd love to have a shot. So I just thought it was that was it. A few days later, I got a call and they said, you know, we have not found our guitarist yet. and We'd love for you to come in. So it's like, OK. And I was on a, a tour with David Phelps at the time. And so, you know, they sent me the, the music and I was sitting in a hotel room trying to learn this. And I'm like, man, country music. I don't even know what to do. But, <laughs> so I'm just listening to it, and I'm like, man, I am not a country player. 
And so I had to wrap my head around it. It's a little bit different approach. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I went out and bought a Telecaster because I needed to really get more of that sound. And then I went into the audition. I was was kind of nervous. And it was the very first audition that I've ever done without a band. It was just me going in, playing along with a CD that had no guitar on it. And I was in front of the band director, who was the drummer and management, and they just sit there and they watch me. And it was incredibly uncomfortable. So I, I, I played and I, I remember on the way home, I was thinking, there's not a chance I got this gig, not even a chance. <laughs> and then I got a call the next day and they said, we need you to come back in. We've got it narrowed down now to six people. Oh my. I'm like, wow. Okay. So I, I went back in and I was even more nervous the second time because now <laughs> it's like, wow, I actually have a chance. So I did it. And then, you know, I was like, okay, well that was cool, fun. And, um, you know, good experience. And, you know, maybe I'll start listening to more country and start practicing country and try to, you know, maybe get a gig at some point doing that. Then about, I don't know, a couple of days later, I was, I was just waking up on the bus and, uh, I got a call from the music director and he, he was funny. He said, he said, we really appreciate you coming in. Uh, wish you best luck in the future and you know we'll call you sometime i'm like okay what's cool i said you know thanks for the opportunity blah 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 and then he's like "Ah, i'm just kidding you You got the gig no way (laughs) yeah i was like wow okay everybody was still asleep in the on the bus and i was trying not to be too excited because i was out with another artist you know and uh it's like holy cow so then it was still uh, another month before we really started doing anything. But I mean, once we started in that January of uh, 2009, uh, we were off to the races and it was hardcore touring for a couple of years. It was exhausting, but I mean, that's what, that's what he had to do to, Mm -hmm. to build up that country following and everything we did and the way management took us was the exact right thing to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I obviously looking at you and we'll have all this in the show notes, but I don't know that there's a TV show or a venue or an environment where you got, you haven't played. I mean, it's literally <laughs> a who's who of being everywhere. What, what's the, what's, what's the largest crowd you've ever played in front of? Oh man. Did you go to my website? I did. Is that okay? I need to update that by the way. <laughs> It's been a little while. It's been about uh, probably six months since I updated. Yeah, I tried to list all those shows and and the TV shows. uh, Man, we have really played. I can't think of one you haven't been on. You know, I I can't either. I mean, there's a a few shows that, gosh, I mean, we even played Oprah. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Back in uh, that first year in 2009, it was a country music special. But yeah, we've done all the, you know, all the morning shows. And then, of course, I was thrilled to be able to do Letterman. We did yeah. Letterman a couple times and did uh, Jay Leno a couple times. They were both super cool. We've done Jimmy Fallon four times, I think, and Jimmy Kimmel five or six times at this point, you know. And, uh, you know, it's always fun to do something like that. Uh, it's pretty, pretty neat. Uh, what's, your, especially, what's, your fav- what's your favorite venue to play in? 
the big stadiums or more of the smaller intimate deals? Uh, let's see. I would say as far as like a bigger would be Red Rocks. You're yeah. familiar with Red Rocks, right? Yep. Um, so we've, we've played there three or four times and it's actually on the schedule for next summer. So I'm really thrilled about that. Nice. Um, and we played, uh, radio city music hall, which was pretty cool. Um, the Staples center in LA, mm. that was neat. And then, uh, the gorge in Washington, which is like almost like, uh, the grand kind of looks like the grand Canyon a little bit behind That's the cool. stage. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. So I think my biggest crowd I ever played in, in front of uh, was not with Darius. It was with uh, one of the Christian artists. It was at a, a big festival. And I think it was down in South America. I think mm. it was Sonic Flood that I was with. And I want to say that the stadium was 100,000. Oh, my. But, you know, you know when it's actually like we do festivals and football stadiums and stuff. And, you know, you, you can't really at night, you can't really see much further than, you know, 10 rows from the front. Right. You know, cause you can't see the stand. So it doesn't really feel like you're in front of that many people. You know, I think the smaller type shows, uh, I love the intimacy of, mm. you know, s smaller shows or, amphitheaters that have 10 or 15,000 those are amazing because mm -hmm. summertime and it's just a cool vibe but like next year the first leg of our tour starting in february is going to be all theaters so we're playing two and three thousand seat theaters and it's going to be phenomenal you know we're going to be up close and intimate and uh i really looking forward to that we haven't done theaters in forever did I see where you guys are coming to Columbus in, is it February? Uh, let me look. Let's see. All right. We are playing, yeah, Columbus at the Palace Theater. Dude, I'm going to check you out there. That is the first weekend of our tour. Awesome. Big old Columbus. Yeah, I've been there. It's a good deal, man. It's where we we've, are. We've Yeah, we've played there. Um. Is there is there another indoor venue that's I think you're I think I saw it's at maybe the Palace Theater. Yeah, the Palace Theater. And then is there like a a small arena or coliseum or something like that? There is. It's downtown is just exploding with different venues. I mean you got nationwide arena, which is the big one. Uh, yeah. that's where the blue jackets and a lot of different groups come in. And then there's a ton of other uh, venues downtown that are more intimate, small setting. Very cool. But we'll ah, definitely cool. check you out. Hey, Quentin, I know that in yeah. the, the journey as well, uh, you had your own, in the midst of all this music skyrocketing, getting on the big stage, you talked about faith always being there. Your journey to sobriety has been a huge part of your story. Would you talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I, I would be happy to share. So, you know, in the midst of spending, you know, the last 30 years working in the music industry, there, there's a, it's no secret that, you know, it can get a little crazy and debaucherous and people, you know, there's a lot of alcohol, there's drugs, there, there's a lot of things that can sidetrack you. And for a long time, I avoided that because I, I wasn't really a drinker or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't do that in college. Um, 
And, you know, I kind of started late and, you know, I was in my mid twenties and, you know, I started dabbling with a little bit of drinking and it's one of those things where I'm not going to condemn anybody for doing anything. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's their own personal choice. But, you know, I started using it because I couldn't deal with certain other things yeah. in my life. And it's a, such a slow progression. It's like the frog in boiling water. Yeah. You know, you just don't realize it's, it's a self-medicating. Yeah. And that's what it became, but I didn't realize it. I thought I was just having fun. Yep. And, and, you know, I was, I'm not going to lie. I was having fun. And, you know, once I was out on the road, you know, and touring consistently all the time, there was a lot of stuff that's just easily accessible. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I fell into that and it became such a regular part of my life. It was the cycle of, you know, drinking too much and not feeling good the next day and then drinking more to, you know, numb myself. And, you know, it hurt my relationship in my marriage. It, mm -hmm. you know, I was not a very present I tried to be present as a father and looking back now, I know that I could have done better, but I really thought I was doing much better than I was. And it got to the point of where, you know, when I was on stage, I was, you know, allowing myself to drink more than I should have. And it was affecting my performance and, and decision-making. And so it had really, I was no longer able to manage my life in a productive way. And, you know, still in the back of my mind, like I told you earlier, my faith was mm -hmm. still there. And I knew that this was not turning out good. Yep. And I knew that I had to stop and I didn't really know how. And I, I really feel like that that was the Holy spirit just tapping me saying, can't be doing this. Can't be doing this. It eventually got to the point uh, four and a half years ago where there was a um, a bit of an intervention and it, it wasn't like cornered in a room or anything mm -hmm. like that. But but I, it was it was I had a series of events that were really bad. And, um, you know, I was talked to and said that I would be able to take time off to go get some help. and so. Long story short, we, we were able to get me into a rehab facility out in Utah, and uh, I went away for a while, and, you know, I had the time off, and once, I, my biggest fear was that once I got out, I would no longer have my gig, mm -hmm. and that was not the case. They said, take the time off, and go get yourself some help, and so I did, and, and I'll never forget when I got to the rehab facility. I was still kind of in shock and I, I couldn't believe that I had allowed myself to get to this point. And I was disappointed and ashamed and embarrassed. And I, I you know, once my wife left and I was sitting in my room by myself, I, I just kind of sat there and cried for two hours. It's mm. like, how did you let this happen? And so there, there was a long process of forgiving myself. And then renewing some relationships that had been destroyed mm. and and also asking for forgiveness and just uh, reinvigorating that relationship with my kids. 
I, I don't know that I, if I would actually be here today talking to you, had I not gotten help at that specific time. It's powerful. And because I was really on such a bender mm. that I think my health would have just gone completely south, you know, and primarily I was drinking, but I was dabbling in some drugging as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is something that I was not really active in, but I, I started not caring anymore. So I did, I did the, the treatment and then I got out, but that's when the real recovery began was when I got out, that's you good. know, because, because that, that is so important to have a recovery program and people and a supportive family. I mean, that helps you just have that strong foundation so you can fall back on that when you, when you feel kind of funky and, you know, I'm four years in four and a half years. And, you know, I had a couple of slips that first year. And so I only count myself as really being three years sober um, because, and that's my own personal thing. I just want to start a clean slate, not have any mess ups. You know what I mean? So, um, but, you know, I've really my my relationship with my kids was um, they were so happy when I told them that I was going to go get some help. And uh, we have just had such a, a good relationship ever since then. And it it's uh, so strong and been rebuilt and their dad is present and I'm here. And every time I do anything. um with my kids, you know, going to, you know, my son's last high school marching, I, I stand there and I think I'm present. Yeah. It's a powerful thing for me. And it continues to help me along in my recovery journey is to have those moments where, you know, you can kind of be like, yeah, this is a victory today. And every day, is a new day and sometimes there's challenges and, but that's what recovery is. I mean, you just take it one day at a time as, as cliche as that sounds. It's so true. So, you know, that, that's kind of the brief of it, but uh, you know, the, the one thing that I'm doing now is tomorrow I'm going to be speaking at a, a, a facility in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is where our show is tomorrow. The facility that I went to in Utah, they've been having me speak there and then speaking in some other places. So I, I, I see another chapter of my life leading to helping those in recovery or getting to treatment. I feel a very strong calling to help people that, that uh, I see, especially in the music industry. There's so many people that I see that, you know, could use just a little bit of help and, you know, um, and it's not just the music industry, but, you know, I, I think that, well, I think that that's the world you live in, but it's all of us, every, every genre of life. There's there's a bunch of us that are over our head. We're in the thick of it. Sometimes we know it's not going well. Sometimes we're blind to it, but it's like, I don't know what to do. And I think what I appreciate what you've said, it, it just in sharing your story, one, that gives hope to all of us. If Quentin can make it, I can make it, we can make it, but it's to go get help. But then even the help, whatever that looks like, a counselor, a rehabilitation center, you know, going somewhere, but then it's building the rest of your life. Every day is another step in recovery to become the person God wants us to become. Yeah, absolutely. And 
I think I've seen that unfold over these last four years of, you know, you, you know, the recovery is a slow process of, and I'm telling you, forgiving yourself is huge. Yep. Uh, that's, there's so many people that, you know, are in recovery that that's one of their main struggles. It's just forgiving themselves for being stupid yeah. and, and making and hurting other people. So, you know, when I speak to people, I, I talk a little bit about that, but you know, the one thing that, that I don't really do is I don't push any of this on anyone. This is my own personal decision yep. and, you know, people get real touchy about it and they get real, you know, defensive if it's, if it's like, you know, I mean, I'm around people that drink and, and I know that I'm not going to, and I'm never going to tell them, Hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Right. You know, because it's, it's their own convictions with God. I'm not going to tell them what to do, but I just try to live my life clean. And, uh, my relationship with God has soared. It's, it's wonderful. And I, you know, I'm just living by example. Uh, I think that's right now what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, I've, it's kind of funny. I've even, um, you know, my wife, she does some work with the speakers bureau because she brings in speakers for certain events. And, uh, she's even talked to them about having me grooming me to become a speaker years down the road. And I'm like, okay, well, I've never thought about being a speaker, but yeah, that could be cool. I think it'd be very cool. (laughs) The last time I actually got up, well, other than these treatment facilities, the last time I actually spoke to a crowd was at Indiana Wesleyan in Chapel when Dr. Martin asked me to get up and speak. Thought I was going to throw up. Yeah, dude, Chapel. That's a tough. That's a tough crowd right there. Oof. There's others that be, be easier. I know. I when Dr. Martin asked me to do that, I was like, I don't want to do this, but I can't tell him no. Right. Come on. <laughs> well, Quinn, you you uh, not only are, do you make incredible music but you're you're really what you're doing is you're making a difference in people's lives your story your encouragement i mean this is god does have you on a life's mission and a life's purpose that's that's it's bigger than filling stadiums it's filling hearts with something that will sustain and dude i just so appreciate you sharing a little bit of your journey with us and your story i did find you on spotify your christmas album um, oh, you did. I did, nice. dude. Yeah. And listen to it on my jogs. Love it. But where, nice. else, where else do we find you? Like, where, where do we where do we go to find you? Well, let's see. Um, you know, the, the Christmas album is the only thing I've ever done as a solo. Just you? Project. Okay. Yeah. And I did that a couple years ago uh, in my home studio. And then I, I outsourced the mixing and all that to uh, a friend of mine in, in North Carolina. But um I didn't mention this, but something that I do kind of on the side is uh, I work with a publishing company that does uh, music placement uh, on TV, on TV reality shows and stuff like that. So I have some music in some uh, reality shows like Pawn Stars. and Dude, I just went out and visited their spot this past summer. My wife and I. Oh, that. Yeah, that's one of my favorite shows I got to see there. Oh, dude. Well, I, I've got some stuff in the new season. And uh, also, if you do watch, now that you're familiar with my Christmas album, um, I got some placements on some Christmas shows on Hallmark Channel. Nice. Uh, <laughs> which is kind of funny because I've never watched Hallmark. 
And uh, let's see, there, there's some sports pre-game shows. Some of my stuff is on some highlight shows. I, I don't like NFL Network or something like that. But, you know, I just I'm constantly writing and I'm, I'm submitting music to my publisher. And, um, you know, so there's that's probably awesome. stuff out there that, that I don't even know is being used. But that's cool. And one day I'll hear it. But, you know, that's fun. And I enjoy doing that. And it's every every genre, you know, from rock to I just uploaded a, some ska music recently, which I haven't listened to in forever. And, you know, so it's fun. That's awesome. Dude, thank you so much again. 30 plus years. I feel like I'm sitting across the hall <laughs> listening to you play. And it's just that awesome, so, man. So, so seriously, I, as long as our kid doesn't have a, uh, a basketball game, we got a senior in high school. Uh, I'm going to see if we can't get tickets to come check you out in February down here at the Palace Theater. I look forward to seeing you in person one of these days soon. Man, I would love that. And, you know, um, and also if um, if anybody hears, you know, the sobriety story and wants to reach out to me, I'm easy to find on Instagram. You know, it's just my just my name. Yep. And um, so, you know, I'm always happy to talk and, and help in uh, any advice or any way I can. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah. And so great talking to you, buddy. Thanks, dude. Hey, you have a good show tonight and hey, a good one tomorrow again. Will do. Appreciate you. Thanks, Quentin. Talk to you later, man. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the More With Murphy podcast. It's our hope that listening will help you discover and embrace more in your life. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe and feel free to share. You can also help us achieve more on the podcast by writing a review of the show. Positive reviews help us reach new listeners, grow the show, get new and exciting guests, and tell us what content you're loving. Who knows, we might just read your review on the show. Finally, if you want to learn more about our guests or the resources mentioned on the show, check out our website at morewithmurphy.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for More with Murphy.